DJ and PK, it's 97.5 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by BJ Rains, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end of the season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Good morning, BJ Rains. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. What's going on? Welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming on again. Always a pleasure. So, uh, I guess I'm just curious. I see the record 1-2. and two. That's not good, but a one-point game with Oklahoma State at home. The opener with UCF had the courage to go play on the road against a quality opponent. Lots of teams run from that because they're afraid they might lose. So, are the Broncos really that good? Should I just ignore the record? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of their rallying cry this week as they get ready for conference play. Uh, hey, we're you know six points away from uh, being three and L, so that's what they're trying to remember. And you know they should have won the UCF game. That was a, a pretty bad game, and, and they kind of were up 21 points and gave it away in the third quarter. And, and really, the you know Oklahoma State game, if you talk to fans and everybody else, I mean there was an incorrect whistle blown. Uh, Boise State had a scoop and score, and they blew the whistle while Boise State was returning for some reason. Uh, said he was down, but after reviewing the play, it was clearly a fumble. So they at least gave Boise State the ball. Um, but uh, didn't give them the touchdown they had. And then that was with like three minutes left in the game. And then Boise State missed the field goal. It got tipped, and they lost by one. So um, there is real, you know, if you're a diehard Boise State fan or whatever, you can easily make an argument they should be 3-0. and But with that said, they still have some significant problems, and um, they're really struggling to run the ball. They can't stop the run. Um, they have not been good at all in the second half uh, of games. And so, yeah, they could be 3-0, and but they – one and two, based on the problems they have, is probably about where they should be at this point. So I look at them offensively. Bachmeyer's been around for a while. We know what he can do. Shakur's a big-time receiver, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, very, very good. But uh, statistically, disappointed in their rush game. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, they're one of the worst rushing teams in the country right now. And a combination of things. I mean, George Shalani, their 1,000-yard back, uh, didn't play in the first game against Central Florida. They've had some offensive line injuries and having to shuffle some guys around. But um, for whatever reason, they've just been not been able to run the ball. Um, they, you know, they've got, um, I think Utah State has like four guys with more rushing yards than Boise State's leading rusher. And so, um, yeah, it's been really bad. They just can't run the ball. They only have 20 yards rushing against Central Florida. They only have like 61 rushing yards uh, against Oklahoma State. And, again, you're talking about a – an Oregon transfer that they brought in that has you know 21 career touchdowns at Oregon in three years, and you're talking about a guy in George Halani that rushed for a thousand yards uh, as a true freshman two years ago. So they feel like they have the talent; it's just not coming together for them. And so um, there's you know they, they they say they have um, identified some things to try to get it going, um, but for whatever reason it just has not worked. They, they've run the new you know RPO stuff, so they say some of the plays would have been runs, but they end up being passes, and they've got you know excuses for it all, but. Um, it just hasn't it hasn't worked to this point, and it's really been uh, the the problem with the offense is when they need to run and get you know first downs and just kind of sustain some drives and keep the clock going. Especially in the second half, that Central Florida game, they just could not run the ball and kept having to give it back to Central Florida, and that's why they ended up losing the game. Two yards of carry is a staggeringly bad number, and I know quarterback one twenty seven out of one thirty. So. How much of it are you putting on the backs? How much of this is the O-line? Are there just no holes there? And is Utah State likely to dominate the line of scrimmage? Well, uh, it's a combination. Um, I, I, I think George Helani's a good running back. He had 1,000 yards, as I said, just two years ago. And they've been working him back. And 
He had only had five carries in his first game back two weeks ago. He had 12 carries last week. So I think he's going to be back to, to full strength uh, 100% with no kind of uh, limitations this game. And if they give George Jelani 15-plus carries, you know, you know, over his career, that's meant he's going to run for 100 yards. So um, we'll, you know, see we'll see what that looks like. Um, but they've had some injuries on the offensive line. They're still playing with their backup center. Their starting center has been out uh, all season with an injury. They had their uh, All-Mountain West preseason first-team right guard. Jake Stetz went down in the Central Florida game, which they said was a big problem. And then he missed the uh, UTEP game. He came back last week, so they've had to shuffle some guys around. But the five they expected to have you know, this year, they still don't have. And so um, they, they claim that's you know, hopefully another week of practice with this group of five working together. Um, they think it'll be better. I mean, they, you know, they've got you know, two, their left tackle was pre, you know, two of the five preseason All Mountain West linemen were, were Boise State, so you'd think the line would be good. So I think that they feel like it's just, you know, they say it's really close to clicking and it just hasn't. And the offensive coordinator was pretty adamant that we're going to run the football and it's going to click and it's going to happen soon. Um, and so we'll see if he's right this week. But you know, we're 25 percent through the season and they are really struggling to run the ball. Even in the UTEP game. The only time they rushed the ball was in the fourth quarter with uh, two walk-ons when the game was, you know, 54-13 to 13 or whatever. So you look at their actual two games, and they're, you know, basically the worst team in the country running the football. Avalos being the first-year coach now, he's a former Boise guy, so he's familiar with everything there. How much has changed, if anything, in terms of philosophy from Harson to Avalos? Well, I mean, he's a defensive guy. He's the first, you know, head coach with a defensive background at Boise State in 20-plus years. I mean, they had a string there with uh, – Carson and then Peterson and Hawkins and even Dirk Cutter. I mean, you have to go back to like uh, Houston Nutt, I think, in like 1997, uh, where you had a, a defensive head coach come in. So, um, you know, it, it, even before that. So, I mean, it, it, uh, it's, you know, that's been a little different, and that's why it's been so surprising that, you know, you guys are talking about running the football, but it's been just as bad, if not worse, uh, stopping the run uh, as well. They've been uh, horrible, giving up over 200 yards per game on the ground, uh, stopping the run. and. They've had two of their worst uh, opponent rushing performances from non-triple option teams. To, you know, two of the last four worst in the last like 11 years have been this season. and So um, that's been more of the surprise. The defensive guy comes in and hasn't been able to um, you know, defensively uh, stop the run, and so, which traditionally they were really good at when he was the defensive coordinator here. But overall, not much has changed. I mean, he retained a couple coaches, brought in some new guys. And, um, I think it was a nice breath of fresh air. Everybody in Boise – Everybody outside the program, inside the program, everybody was you know very happy. And uh, you know Brian Harson did some good things, did a lot of things, but um, you know I think his message was uh, maybe starting to wear off a little bit. And I think a lot of people were excited about a fresh start with Andy Avalos, and he's come in and done a really good job. And um, you know, but sure enough, there on Twitter after the last game, uh, you already had fans calling for him <laughs> to be fired after three games. So I mean, that's just that's just the way it goes when you lose a game. Um, but uh, I think he's a good coach, and I think he's going to do a fine job. It's just. Uh, you know, this is what some people think maybe is the hardest schedule in Boise State history uh, from start to finish. And so there's there's not a lot of guaranteed wins on the schedule this year. And, and uh, he took, you know, a little bit of a rough time to have it be the hardest schedule for his first year. So what's the players' confidence level? I mean, do they, they – because Boise State is just – I mean, they walk out on the field like they're going to blow teams off the field, and then they often blow teams off the field. So when you don't do that and you got a new coaching staff and the voice is different, do you see do you see a little wavering or no? No, not really. I mean, I think, like I said, they, they, they've been saying for two weeks or whatever, they know they blew the Central Florida game or 
Um, they, they know they should have won that game, and that was a road game against a, a pretty good opponent, and they, they feel like they were the better team in that game. So they had confidence that they were just as good as them, if not better, and gave the game away. And I think the same goes for Oklahoma State coming in. They, they feel like they uh, you know, didn't score a point in the second half and, um, again, had a scoop and score that wasn't called, had a um, you know, chance for a 36-yard field goal to win the game, and it didn't happen. So I think they feel like they're, you know, again, every bit as good as these teams. They just haven't – the ball hasn't bounced their way, and they've made a couple key mistakes and key times to lose the game. So, you know, their record is what it is, one and two, but they feel like that they very easily could be three and oh. And so I think they're trying to rally around that, have that confidence. And, and again, you know, really at Boise State, their goal is winning the Mountain West. I mean, it's, and I know they've had the New Year's Six Bowl games and all that, but – on the you know in the team room, their goal right up there on the wall it says to win the Mountain West Conference in a bowl game. Um, so they kind of reset when when they get into conference play, and they've won 19 straight games against Mountain Division teams. They haven't lost to a team in the Mountain Division since 2016, and so they just take care of their teams in their division, and they know that's going to get them into the championship, and that's kind of how they go about it. And so I think that um, this you know conference play comes at a nice nice you know point here where they can kind of reset put those first three games behind them and start their new season of conference play. And, um, you know, I think all of us have dreams of getting to that Jimmy Kimmel Bowl in L.A., and, and that's uh, still alive for them at this point. So you speak of the inability to stop the rush, which is somewhat surprising because they go into the defense uh, the end of the year returning, like, what, eight or nine starters, a couple of uh, all the conference linebackers. Uh, I would have thought maybe the pass defense would – not necessarily be a weakness, but if I'm comparing it to stopping the run, I would have thought that that would have been a little weaker. You know, they lost pretty two pretty good corners last year in Williams and Walker. Uh, so I don't really understand what the problem is as far as stopping the run. Well, that's Boise State's trying has the same the same uh, feeling as you do trying to figure that out. I mean, you're right because they had two new starting corners this year. Um, they lost two All Mountain West corners from last year, and so if you had to pick one area, you would have probably picked the the pass defense and the secondary to be a little bit uh, more of a question mark. Um, they came in with a a lot of um, you know a lot of uh, you know strength and hype on the defensive line, and they've had some injuries. You know they have a starting D tackle, uh, Scaly Gahan, that, that took a leave of absence for personal reasons. Don't know if he's coming back or when or what happened there. They've got another you know rotation D lineman uh, tackle that's going to be out this game, so um, they're dealing with some injuries and things like that. But um, it's just a group that's underachieved and you know Frank Miley the former uh, Utah State coach and uh, is you know the defensive line coach and and he took a lot of that blame this week on him and said it starts with me at these guys just I haven't had him ready to play and and so he uh, you know put a lot of that on his shoulders this week that the D-line just has to play better and so I agree with you that it's uh, you know surprising and surprising to Boise State fans and um, but they've been talking about it so much this week that um, I guess you know that they know because obviously Utah State can run the ball. It's going to be another challenge for them. But um, they've been just you know ingraining it in their head this week. Every interview, every comment is about that. So I, I would be kind of surprised if they don't come out and make some improvements uh, on the rush defense and running the ball offensively this week. So what's been the reaction from uh, Boise State as far as all the news about the Mountain West and the AAC and CSU and Air Force to a lesser degree? Boise State and San Diego State being linked to that, but apparently not not willing to go, waiting for the Big 12 to call. How is that all playing out there? 
Yeah, I think they're waiting for the Big 12 to call, and I think that they are expecting the Big 12 to call or hoping the Big 12 to call. They feel good about it, I think, in the next couple of years. I mean, I, I don't think it makes any sense for them to go down to a, a watered-down American Athletic Conference right now that doesn't have UCF or Cincinnati or Houston. I mean, that, that's a completely different conference without those teams. And so really doesn't, you really don't gain a whole lot with all the added travel that you would have to have, and not just for football, but for your, you know, women's volleyball team to have to go play East Carolina in a conference game and stuff like that. And and so um, I think you take some of that travel concern if you're in the Big 12 because you're, the money is so much better that you're able to charter more flights and do things like that. But to, to put that burden on a, you know, for the a conference that really right now you could argue isn't even that much better at all if it is better at all than, than the Mountain West. I think this doesn't make any sense. And so. Um, I, uh, I think they're, you know, they're probably listening at least to hear, hear the offer and, and hear, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, be able to sweet talk the Mountain West into, you know, something. I don't know what, what they're, you know, they have the Boise State has the leverage right now. Boise State is kind of the, uh, you know, the, the team that's kind of holding the cards for what's going to happen with the AAC and the Mountain West, really. And so, um, but I, I don't think it makes much sense. I'd be shocked if they went to the American, uh, unless the Americans somehow took a large number of Mountain West teams with them. I just don't see that happening. I think Boise State's going to wait it out. Um, you know, they were pretty disappointed they weren't included in the first round of the Big 12 expansion. You know, they mentioned football success being one of the main things. And, you know, other than BYU, you really could put Boise State's football, uh, you know, especially the last two decades, success up with any of those schools. And so um, I, I think that they feel like um, if there is another round, which they're confident there will be once Texas and Oklahoma leave, that they would be a strong fit. I think when I, when I heard that BYU was going in for all sports and not just football, I immediately said Boise State will end up in the Big 12, you know, just my personal opinion, because I think it makes too much sense. We talk about travel partners and things like that. It's, it'd be a lot easier for the West Virginia, you know, soccer team to come play BYU and Boise State on a road trip than have to come all that way just to play one game. So I think having a team close to BYU, or a regional rival, um, I think that just makes a lot of sense. And so when Texas and Oklahoma decide to leave, uh, Boise State and their fans and everybody are just you know, quietly sitting and waiting and hoping that they, they get a shot to – to get in the Big 12 at some point because they've proven themselves. Every conference they've been, I mean, they've only been an FBS team since 1996. I mean, this is not some program that's been uh, doing this stuff for 50 years. I mean, they're fairly young Division Division One FBS conference, but every time they move up, whether it be uh, from the WAC to the Mountain West to, you know, whatever, I mean, they, they, they've proven that they can win at that level. And if you get Boise State the resources and the money and the recruiting budgets and things like that as a Big 12 team, I think they're pretty confident they'd be able to compete in that conference as well. So Utah State has really piled up the points, particularly last week, obviously, against the Air Force. they got some big K- play capabilities with their wideouts and quarterbacks can move and all that stuff. Uh, Boise, with their inability to run the ball, and as I already talked about, they got a stud receiver, I think, who play in the NFL. Uh, so the thought for you is if it gets into a slugfest, a scoring type of thing, up and down, you think Boise right now has enough offense if they need to to put like forty-five, fifty on the on the scoreboard? Well, I mean, I, I I think so. We just haven't really seen it. I mean, we saw it in um, you know the Central Florida game, the first half. They're moving the ball up the field and had a couple of really nice touchdown drives, and they were looking you know twenty-four to seven, and they're like, man, this offense is is uh, is going to be great because we just heard so much about it, and then. It just kind of went away in the second half. It came back, and we saw it. And we've seen it in spurts. They just haven't been able to put it together for four quarters, and that's been another big emphasis. You know, their third quarters have been awful this year, and I know it's uh, you know Utah State's been really, really good in the second half too. 
um, which is, you know, a concern for them because Boise State, I think, has got like 85 points in the first half and only 22 in the second half of three games. And I looked at Utah State's numbers, and they're almost the opposite. I think Utah State has 85 points in the second half. So um, it's certainly going to be uh, something that they're focused on is finishing four quarters and finishing the game because both the games they've lost have been right there. And if they'd had one more touchdown drive, um, they could have done it. They had three three-and-outs in the third quarter against Central Florida, two three-and-outs, uh, you know, and they only ran six plays because uh, Oklahoma State took the, the clock, and they went two three-and-outs in the third quarter against Oklahoma State. So that third quarter – and. Um, putting some some offensive drives together and scoring some points, I think, will be a a, a big thing for them. But uh, defensively, they're just really you know they're giving a lot of praise to, to Utah State. They talk about how wide their splits are, and how they've got receivers that are almost on the sidelines, and how that uh, makes things tougher. There's a lot of one-on-one tackles and stuff. So um, you know, they've got the, the leading receiver in the nation, as you guys know, uh, yards-wise, and then a good running back. I mean, they they've been uh, giving Utah State a lot of praise this week, and so. Um, I think it's an interesting time for Boise State to be going down to Logan, a 10 a.m. game, obviously. And if Boise State had won the Oklahoma State game, maybe they're feeling good about themselves. Maybe it's a little more of a trap game. I don't know. Um, but they seem pretty pretty fired up to start conference play and put this game behind them. And I wonder if Utah State's maybe catching them at a bad time. B.J. Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune, joining us. Thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. No problem, guys. Take care. 10 a.m., CBS. Plenty of exposure. And to win a division game, PK, the Broncos don't lose in the Mountain Division. That's what he Not said. Not for five yeah. years. Well, this would be the greatest accomplishment, I think, in Blake Anderson's long and storied career at Utah State. <laughs> Start to dream big. I would love to see it just to set up BYU, USU undefeated, blah, 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 bring a little tension to the state. Obviously, we'll be all over it, but I mean, outside of the state, I'm talking yeah, about... Yeah, but 4-0 versus 4-0 gives it a little extra sizzle. There's just no question about that. Right. And you know, maybe Utah State can sneak into the rankings a little bit. Boy, uh, uh, The Cougars are already there, obviously. All right, DJ and PK, catching you up today on everything you missed in the show. We'll do that next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. It's time for Wake's Takes. Joining us now as he does every single week, Mason Wake. Is this team realizing after three straight wins that if you take care of your business every week, something really extraordinary could happen? The first three games, we've kind of cheated ourselves. We haven't played at our best. Offense has started slow pretty much every game. And the fans really brought energy, and that's really helped us out. And we slowly got going, but that's just our mentality right now. Like, we can only beat ourselves. Having that mentality has been great for us. And we know that we're a special team, but we don't want to just harp on that too much. We just know if we don't shoot ourselves in the foot and we just go out there and play our game, then we can be pretty special. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Uh, that happened uh, yesterday. Charlie uh, had made the decision that he was uh, in his best interest to move on and uh, he thought about it for a day and uh, confirmed it today, but presented it yesterday. Kyle Whittingham on the timeline of Charlie Brewer's decision. The senior quarterback leaving the University of Utah. Cam Rising's the starter. Jaquindon Jackson is now the backup for the conference opener against Washington State. You throw out grad transfers or only stay one uh, month, and BYU hasn't beaten Utah since 2009. <laughs> Heck of a qualifier. <laughs> wow. Thanks for a random observation. Let's just specify this down so we can really... A random observation that doesn't mean anything. 
Come on, they start camerizing, they beat BYU, don't they? If there's a fifth quarter in that Las Vegas Bowl. <laughs> no, just an extra five minutes. You don't need a whole 12 minutes or 15 if minutes. If they had been able to start a fifth quarter in that Las Vegas yeah. Bowl. <laughs> or if Bronco and the staff weren't out Come the door. On. Dreaming of paychecks. <laughs> Doubling my money. Oh, I'm going to buy you a big fancy car, honey. <laughs> Yeah, easily. Or if Detmer had some experience and knew to give Taysom more options on that two-point conversion, obviously they win that game. <laughs> you can just go hit some butts all the way through every game. That's the no, fun part of sports. Nobody won anything. <laughs> or you all won everything. If the refs make the right call and Robertson was out of bounds and they blow that ball dead, come on, they had that game. That game was theirs. That was obvious. Everybody knew that. <laughs> Charlie Brewer transfers out of Utah after three games. Shouldn't they be done with upperclassmen transfer quarterbacks? That's the question of the morning. And Joseph Leverage tweets at us, Utah needs to learn how to recruit and use a good quarterback. Defensively, they're normally really good. Offensively, they waste a lot of talent because they really have a quarterback who can consistently deliver their ball to their receivers and tight ends. You can't always just rely on your run game. Okay, this year they're delivering the ball to the tight ends. The tight ends are not the problem. Oh, no, they're really good. Right. Receivers. But we knew that. I know. No surprise. Right. Keithy coming back, proven commodity. We were told Kincaid was good. He's passed the eyeball test. They have the best tight end room in the conference. (laughs) (laughs) They do. Agreed. Yeah. You go in that tight end room and you just see excellence. There it is. It's like walking in and seeing John and Paul... Working on a song. <laughs> wow. Let's go to Rick the Dishwasher, who actually got that reference. Rick, good morning. Oh, everybody got that reference. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you, right. Rick? No, oh, not good. I got a vent. <laughs> Huge. All right. All when right. we played Weber, mm-hmm. I didn't call you guys, but I said this immediately. <laughs> you remember the, you remember the first three drives against Weber? We threw nine out of 11 times. I said, that chicken, you know what, <laughs> Coach Whittingham, he won't do it again this year. Wait. Okay? He had the template from Urban Meyer, which is throw and pass 50% of the time. That way they can't load up on you. What does he think that means? It means run twice, pass once, run uh, once, pass twice. No, what it means is you have a whole series where you pass 90% of the time. Or you pass three out of three. That way they can't put nine in the box against us. Now, what's been happening for 10 years with our good teams that underachieve, first and goal, big down against a good team in a big game, run, 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 run. He takes. We're so conservative... Whittingham has no business touching or influencing these offensive coordinators that he changes like underwear. Unfortunately, now we got Ludwig, who makes Whittingham look like a crazy liberal. (laughs) Without a doubt, these last two games were lost by the coaching. You're a crazy liberal, Rick. Come on. Rick, 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 this is a voter for Biden. Who are you to talk?
talk. I'm paying 20 bucks a gallon for gas. Open-minded. Rick. Rick, Rick, you're up in the night. You're up in the night, Rick. Or in the morning. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Rick, Utah ran the ball 25 times against BYU and threw it 26. Whatever the problems were, it wasn't a 50-50 split problem. They literally split it. It's 51. It can't be be a split. It's it's an odd number. When they get behind, you have to do that. You have to pass a little more. They they pass the ball on first down 10% of the time. It's ridiculous. It is totally coaching. Look at Huntley. Huntley was always accurate. We made him look terrible as a, as a, a passer because he had third and long more than any quarterback in the country. In the history of the game. What, what Whittingham does, we run. We get two yards or less. Okay, we don't want to get crazy. Let's just try to get a little more. That way third down's manageable. Let's run it again. I thought you just said he threw it like crazy have, against Weaver. And, and, and then we have the first, the first three possessions we did. Nine out of 11. I said, he won't do that again. This oh, because he's chicken bleep. Yeah, I remember. No, yeah. Game yeah. one against a FCS opponent. He won't do that in the Pac-12. Nah, because he's chicken Whittingham bleep. would be an NFL defensive coordinator. He also had one good recruiting practice, which is, you know what? Go recruit athletes. Go recruit 10 quarterbacks who say they're athletes and think they can play Division One because they can't, and just convert them, and you'll have an NFL player. He does that right. He does. He also poaches talent. I mean, there is enough skilled player talent on this team that we're never going to know. Now, I w- I'll admit Brewer wasn't the answer. He, he, he's horrible. Yeah. But yeah. our offense doesn't make any quarter. And here's the last sin. Okay. We All right, last quarterback, one. Uh, original sin? We have a quarterback factory. Per capita, we turn out more good college players. And we have one school in this state that produces NFL quarterbacks every year. He doesn't even recruit them. It's a joke. Because California's got more talent out there. No, yeah. Utah, for quarterbacks, probably has just as good or and we're or one one hundredth of the population. Yeah. All right, thanks, Rick. That's just a legal residence. That's just a legal residence, too. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Rick. We I appreciate mean, when it. you factor in the undocumented, I think it's more than one one hundredth. Threw it fifty eight times against San Diego State and ran it thirty one. So. <laughs> Yeah, but when they got behind, they had no choice. Oh, 58-31, it's not even close. It's yeah, but they got behind. They were behind the whole game. They have to throw it. I agree with what he's saying there. You, when you're behind, you have to throw it more. They needed to catch up in a hurry. Time and score were against them. Time and score did get a little in the fourth quarter, absolutely. But they were still throwing it before that. And nearly throwing pick sixes. Might as well have been. Caught him at the six. Or well, whatever. they did. Punched oh, pick six. Was, yeah. Okay, gotcha, they did. They, gotcha, they gotcha, caught him, yeah, but okay. they still punched it. Okay, in. I, right. I understand. Well, I mean, they, but but what he's saying is a long term knock against the program. Is the problem they don't pass it enough, or the problem they don't throw it well enough? Because I think it's about the quality of the passing game, not the, the quantity. Yes, the efficiency. Yeah, but I the thought they game. did. Uh, I thought the, the Ludwig was a genius two years ago mm-hmm. with Tyler Huntley. He's, he completed like 70-some percent of his passes. Yep. I mean, what more do you want? But you That can't, was brilliant. Yeah, right, but we're not going to judge the program by its high watermark. That was literally the best offensive season they've had in the Pac-12. So we're going to judge it by its low watermark. No, I think you judge it by, <laughs> by the, the mean or the median or whatever. I don't know. I slept through that part of class. But the middle. 
That's an easier word than the mean and the median. Or yeah, the what the, the, huh? Come on, man. No, Jeez. you shouldn't judge it. There's a reason they throw out the high score and the low score before they average the rest of them. There are outliers. Well, but the point I was making is that he was going with the coaching, not just judge it by that season. So he's cracking on Andy. Well, two years ago, Andy was a genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andy doesn't now have to wear the bum? whole last decade. <laughs> Andy doesn't have to wear the whole last decade. He wasn't here for it. No. no. So he was He's really good I, when he had Don't we really all good think players. the problem right now is the O-line can't block? That's why they... I'll give him this. Kyle would have run the ball more if he thought they could block for the running game. But there's so many times the play is blown up as the handoff happens. Okay, that'll that get a, you away from. A, but the, at the same time, that'll get you away from the run game. Bernard ran for a hundred and what forty something against the Cougars. That, that's pretty doggone good. It is. They didn't run it consistently against the Cougars. He had like four big carries. What's the difference, man? The ability to sustain drives. And you go three and out, and you get frustrated, and you try something different. But then he breaks off a fifty yard run late in the game when you're trying to get back in it and get you down the field to set up a score. You're going to run for 150 yards, a single back. Do you take it, yes or no? Yeah, of course you take it. That's the bottom line. They move the ball. I, th- I think it boiled down to Brewer not being able to make plays when the perfect play wasn't drawn up. Right. And But it's a team game, man. Football's the, I've been saying this for years. Football's the ultimate team game. So I'm not going to go uh, the, the blame is solely on A. No, it's across the board. You name it. And the blame. Spread the blame around. I really believe in football. It's a win and lose as a team of all the sports. And you and, and virtually any team sport, you're able to say that for sure. Uh, but it's my point I'm making is especially in football. That's why it, it the O-line is taking a lot of grief. And then to agree, right. certainly justifiable. But now we're going to see the Cam what Rises. happens what, with Cam's, him. Cam's going to help the O-line out. Because he was the same O-line. The, the thing that surprised me is they didn't make the switch sooner against BYU. But I'm biased because I've been a rising guy. Because I got so sick of hearing about the four trillion yards he threw at <laughs> Baylor. I kept saying, well, the 9, I don't 000, give a crap. The 9,000's turned into 10,000 because he was close to it. And just a few yards he picked up at Utah. Now people say, he's thrown for 10,000 yards. So what? But does he throw for 10,000 yards when the protection is right? He goes back, plants his foot. He's got the mechanics. His grandpa was a quarterback at Texas. His dad was a quarterback at Texas. His mother knows quarterback play. But the way it's working for Utah right now, you got to be able to throw on the move, off platform, Yeah, and fourth and two chaos. with the game on the line, he overthrew Covey right. by like 80 feet. I think it was Covey. Maybe it wasn't. Kalani could have made a running catch on that one and <laughs> scored. It was Covey. Yeah. I mean, the pass was just not even close to the mark it needed to and be. So now they've and got a guy. it was a short throw. Now they got a guy and throw on the move. And he has swag. And so will that but help the O-line that? out? Yes, of course it will. We already saw, we've already seen that. And will they focus the passing game on the tight ends? Because the receivers aren't that good. The tight ends are where it's at. And, and actually, Bernard's a really good receiver as a running back. Throw him the ball, too. I'm 100% on board with throwing the ball to the running backs and the tight ends. Solomon Enos looks mm-hmm. like the one wide receiver. I mean, Covey's a slot guy. You can throw him the ball. Yeah, I mean, but so they don't, now we're down they don't where you got two wideouts now. A slot and a... What's the difference? When they're down the field, well, you're not most a formations, Most formations... They're going to run two guys out there. I just wouldn't put two of them on the field. 
<laughs> tight end slot guy. Your best receivers aren't the wide receivers, and you tend to go to the X and the Y. What are we bringing chromosomes for? The X, Y, Z, they love one, two, three, whatever. Covey, Keithy, Kincaid, keep throwing those guys the ball. Line them up wherever you want. Throw those guys the ball. They're the ones who get yeah, open. And make I, would, I wouldn't toss Howard out like he's trash. The guy's made some big plays, particularly uh, down in Pasadena. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The other stuff, Ben Simmons says he will not report for training camp with the 76ers. PK, he is due for four years' worth of money that will total $145 million. If he doesn't show up, he doesn't get paid. Oh, I say call their bluff. Call the call bluff. His bluff. You're not going to be able to trade him. What are you getting for him? Just sit there. Okay, fine, Ben. Now, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm going to sit out. You play basketball for enormous amounts of money. And you won't do it? $33 million for 82 games this year. Jeez, man. Ben Roethlisberger left pectoral injury. They don't know how it happened. He got sacked a couple times in the Raider game. Tyrod Taylor is out in Houston. He's on injury reserve with a hamstring injury. And Jackson Dart did not practice Tuesday. Had the knee injury in that uh, blowout win at Washington State. Got hit running early in the game. Slovis is back, though. He took the first-team reps and... See if Dart can practice today. So the quarterback competition this week may not happen. If Dart's not healthy, then that solves that. Who do the Trojans have this week? they got Oregon State. Oh, that's right. I knew they had a team they should win. All right, that's what we've been talking about. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Join Hanson Scotty at University Federal Credit Union at the Ranches Branch on Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 3535 Ranches Parkway in Eagle Mountain. <laughs> How ticked off are BYU fans going to be when Bronco ruins their quest for perfection? Road wins and home losses tweeted that out. I, I, quote, I, tweet, I uh, quote tweeted and said, irregardless of the eventual final score, an excellent tweet here. Terry, irregardless, did PK hack your Twitter account? <laughs> it's been proven to be a word. Some of my greatest calls, don't learn the text line, irregardless eventually will be a word, and go with Cam Rising because he has swag. (laughs) I said it. I was the lone voice in the wilderness. People were coming at me all over the place, but I stood my ground, and I said, truth is truth. Tom Petty? Stand my ground. I wasn't thinking that. Back down. I was willing to stake my reputation on it, and it turned out to be right. Charlie Brewer transfers out of Utah after three games. Shouldn't they be done with upperclassmen transfer quarterbacks? And Tom says talent isn't the problem. San Diego State knew which play was coming for three and a half quarters. They cheated? So what happened? They just decided, okay, we're going to... Now we're not going to be predictable and we're going to mix it up. (laughs) Everybody knew what was coming at the end. They were going to throw on every down because they were against the clock. And they had success. The last couple of possessions, it was clear what had to happen. There wasn't time to go downfield and... San Diego State doesn't even count as a loss as far as I'm concerned. Some (laughs) stupid trumped-up two-point play. Strike it from the record. I mean, that's a joke. So so they're 1-1-1 in your mind? They got a soccer tie on their schedule? The, oh, the, the game didn't happen. Well, it vaporized. A two-point play. We just made up this rule this year. Yep. Because a bunch of eighteen to twenty-two year olds are tired. 
And and what for what? What, what? what do we do? It's all cosmetic. It's political that we can't continue to play football. The Utes were gassed after that one play in overtime. They probably should have. They give it a fifteen minute break then between each uh, overtime possession. I mean, it's political. It's ridiculous. You can you can be injured just as much on the first play of the game as the two hundredth play. What have you? Come on, that's that's stupid. Utah Big Crew Tailgate, I love you, Utah football. You complete me. Go Utes. Who loves them? Who's complete? One of their fans. Utah Pig Tailgate. So they're f- what completes him, though? Utah football completes him. He loves Utah football. It's a fan, despite the one and two start, who is still in love with his Utes. Great. I love that. And that those are our guys. There you go. What's his name? Utah Pig Tailgate. Utah Pig Tailgate, I hope you're listening, man, because you're the guy we, if you're a guy, if not, I don't care who you are, uh, you're who we target. We target passionate fans. For all of Rick the Dishwasher's blah, 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 he's a passionate passionate guy. Yeah, hilariously passionate. I love his passion. Even when he doesn't make sense, he's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Chris says, that was great sports talk radio with DJ PK and Riley Jensen. They released the Kraken. (laughs) What is (laughs) that? Why did he go there? There was passion. He was fired up. There was a love of the game. Well, Riley obviously has a love of football. That's absolutely. Fact. That was the funny thing he said early on. I don't know why, but I'm so excited about football season. Like, because you're a football guy. <laughs> you're excited about every football season. Uh, I mean, uh, BYU, or, uh, Boise, Utah State is the game I'm most fired up for this week. And then with Rising... And the fact that the Utes have been just drumming into our heads, they're 0-0, zero and zero. You, you better win because then that takes away all your momentum. We're going to come next week. Well, you know, we've lost uh, three in a row, but no team is going to go undefeated, so we still have a chance. That really sounds stupid at that point. We're really struggling. The bye week has come at the perfect time. That's what we'll hear. Yeah, but it's about that's... the race. I don't think we're going to hear it. I think they're going to win, don't you? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Having watched Washington State twice this year and come away not impressed. I think they're going to win, and they're going to be 1-0, and then we're going to have that bye and set up a huge game. Utah's defense is going to do a good job against the Washington State offense. The Utah offense isn't going to have to score a lot of points to win a game. Uh, yeah, but you want them to. This is a not a very I, I good defense. That. So if, yeah. Yeah, if they win 10-7, to seven, I don't think you there's going to be a lot, of, with a lot running, of momentum. Yeah. Yeah. They come away with a win, but what will the offense look like? They need to get going here, man. Time is now. Conference is starting. They're 0-0. Yeah, zero zero. It'll be through the uh, Thanksgiving weekend. It's between every, everything for their season is now to the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And now someone, in response to the Bronco Ruins, our quest for perfection uh-huh. with the BYU-Virginia game, has tweeted, Go Roscoe. And there's that shot from ESPN. Oh, the Texas Roscoe game. Mendenhall during the Texas game. I was sitting there watching it on my computer <laughs> in the Coliseum, uh, Utah USC. USC, and saw that, and uh, uh-oh, this is going to be a field at Roscoe. Where the, <laughs> what? Roscoe? Who's named Roscoe? What are you doing? Wasn't there a tennis player named Roscoe? What are you doing? Yeah, Roscoe Tanner. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, yeah. That's like the only Roscoe I know. Uh, wasn't it Dukes of Hazard? Well, that's not a real person. <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone. Hands and Scotty, or as we like to call him, Roscoe. Coming up next, stay with us.